It's Wednesday, July the 21st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Bezos in space and Zuma trial delayed. First, the world in brief. Around 100,000 people have been displaced after heavy rain caused severe flooding in Henan, a province in central China. Rivers burst their banks and streets flooded, causing transport disruption in dozens of cities. Emergency services had to free passengers submerged in floodwaters on an underground train in Zhengzhou, the provincial capital. At least 13 people have died. Thomas Barrack, one of Donald Trump's key aides during his presidential run in 2016, was charged with illegal lobbying and for lying to the FBI. The private equity billionaire is accused of working on behalf of the United Arab Emirates, including allegedly inserting favourable mentions of the kingdom into a Trump speech, despite not having registered as a foreign government lobbyist. He plans to plead not guilty. As the inaugural event of the Tokyo 2020 Olympics began, ahead of the opening ceremony on Friday, the number of COVID-19 cases associated with the Games rose to 79. The Japanese organisers hinted the whole thing could still be cancelled. Quote, never an option, insisted the International Olympic Committee. Amidst the furore, some rare good news for Japan. Its women's softball team beat Australia in Fukushima. The number of Netflix subscribers in America and Canada fell by 430,000 in the second quarter of this year, as the streaming service has seen its home market become saturated. Overall, it added 1.5 million subscribers, 85% down on its pandemic peak growth. Lockdowns in the first half of 2020 drove 25 million people to open accounts. Its share price, which soared then, has barely risen since. Jeff Bezos, an e-commerce tycoon and founder of space startup Blue Origin, landed safely after his flight on a rocket plane to space. In a flight that lasted just 10 minutes, the new Shepard rocket plane reached 62 miles above the Earth's surface. The four occupants, which included Mr Bezos' brother and an 82-year-old spaceflight pioneer, experienced several moments of weightlessness during the journey. The long-running trial of Jacob Zuma was postponed until August. The former South African president faces 16 corruption charges relating to a weapons sale in 1999. He is currently serving a 15-month jail term for contempt of court in a separate case. His imprisonment on July 9th sparked days of protest, looting and arson. Asimi Goita, Mali's interim president, survived an assassination attempt in Bamako, the capital, during prayers for Eid al-Adha, an Islamic festival. Two men reportedly lunged at him with a knife outside the city's Grand Mosque. Mr Goita has led two coups in the last nine months and overthrown two presidents. His office later said he was, quote, safe and sound. And fact of the day, between 10% and 40% of Olympic athletes in Tokyo will be cheating. And now here's today's agenda. Too little, too late? America's opioid settlements. A two-year legal battle between American states and the makers and distributors of opioids is expected to come to a head this week. If it does, Amerisource Bergen, Cardinal Health, McKesson and Johnson & Johnson could pay a total of $26 billion, according to the Wall Street Journal. Doing so would resolve thousands of lawsuits filed by states and local governments who blame the companies for fueling the country's opioid crisis through loose distribution rules and by understating how addictive their drugs were. Most of the money will be funneled to addiction treatment, education and other health measures. The payments cannot eradicate the damage that has already been done. 
Indeed, the companies continue to deny any wrongdoing. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimate that almost half a million Americans died from opioid overdoses between 1999 and 2019. And the crisis is far from over. Almost three quarters of recorded overdose deaths in America last year were linked to opioids. Wondering why? After South Africa's riots. Two weeks after the incarceration of Jacob Zuma, a former president of South Africa, smoke still rises from a chemical factory set ablaze by his supporters. It is one of hundreds of businesses looted or burned by protesters demanding his release from imprisonment for defying a court order to appear before an inquiry into corruption. Despite the wreckage, the deployment of 25,000 soldiers by the government has largely restored order. Communities have come together to sweep away the broken glass from shops and malls. Now the country must start counting the costs of the violence, including 215 lives lost and the destruction of tens of thousands of jobs as workplaces were forced to shut and hold the instigators to account for what Cyril Ramaphosa, the president, has called an attempted insurrection. Several alleged ringleaders have been arrested. Some are expected to appear in court today. South Africans will be hoping for answers as to how such rage was unleashed in the Rainbow Nation. Trust Buster Biden The FTC boosts competition President Joe Biden thinks there is too little competition in America. That results in higher prices, less innovation and less growth than there would be otherwise. Today the Biden administration will take one small step to boost competition when the Federal Trade Commission votes to reinstate quote, prior approval. This is a rule the agency ditched in 1995 that requires companies flagged for anti-competitive deals to notify it of any planned mergers and acquisitions. Lena Khan, a legal scholar who chairs the FTC, has the task of enforcing antitrust law. She is particularly worried that big tech is reducing rivalry in the market. More enforcement is already underway. Mr Biden signed an executive order this month that seeks to crack down on the ways businesses stifle competition. Almost immediately, the FTC reportedly opened an investigation into Amazon's $8.5 billion acquisition of MGM, a film studio. Ms Khan is just getting started. Delta Blues COVID-19's resurgence in America The more virulent Delta variant is taking hold across America. Over the past two weeks, cases of COVID-19 have increased by 75% nationwide, with a seven-day average approaching 30,000 a day on July 16th. Delta now accounts for 83% of infections. Daily deaths remain low, but are creeping higher. Hardest hit, unsurprisingly, are states with low vaccination rates. In Arkansas, less than half of the population has received at least one dose. The state now has America's highest case rate, with some hospitals running out of space and resources. Policymakers are desperate to mount a credible response. Joe Biden failed to meet his July 4th goal for 70% of adults to be at least partially inoculated. Just 68% of the adult population have been jabbed. Uptake is stagnant. The president heaped blame on social media networks for allowing disinformation to spread. Schools and businesses are debating making vaccines mandatory, anathema to Republican lawmakers. A dreaded fourth wave looms. Losing their sheen. The Olympic Games. 
Today, the International Olympic Committee will announce that the 2032 Olympic and Paralympic Games will be held in Brisbane. Australians' jubilation will probably be muted, and not just because of COVID-19. Competition to host the Games was once fierce. In 2003, nine cities submitted bids for 2012. The final selection of London was broadcast live in Trafalgar Square and triggered widespread celebrations. But enthusiasm has cooled significantly since. Six cities submitted bids for 2020. For 2024, five did, but three later withdrew. Increasingly, the costs of hosting the Olympics seem to outweigh the gains. Games almost always go over budget. Tokyo is no different. In December, organisers said the total would be about $15.4 billion, up from $12.6 billion the year before. Several hosts have struggled to repurpose their venues. Declining interest has meant that the IOC has begun working with quote, preferred bidders, including Brisbane, which are cities it identifies early on and works with to produce a viable hosting plan. Summer Quiz Can you beat our baristas? Would you like to challenge our baristas in a test of general knowledge? A daily question will be posed here Monday to Thursday. The first listeners, one each from Asia, Europe slash Africa and the Americas, to email editor-espresso at economist.com on Thursday with all four correct answers and the theme linking them will be named and celebrated on Friday. Include your home city and country. Wednesday. Which late actor, who would have been 70 in July, came to fame in the television show Morecambe Mindy? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Ernest Hemingway. Every day above earth is a good day. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.